Welcome to another episode of the Business Exchange, How All Business Works, brought to you by the American Business Council. Uh, the Business Exchange is a bi-weekly program where business executives and industry experts share insights on how business works and also they share deep dive into the biggest stories in business or at least the space they, they, they exist. My name is Margaret O'Leary, your host. Today, our discussion would be on doing business in Nigeria, and we're going to be getting perspectives from an American entrepreneur. And before we continue, please join the program. Follow us on at abcouncil underscore ng on Instagram and on LinkedIn, American Business Council Nigeria. Use the hashtag, hashtag the ABC Business Exchange to continue the conversation. Now, on this very um, special episode, we have, I have with me, uh, Mira Meta. Uh, Mira is uh, the co-founder and CEO of the Tomato Joss, a fully integrated farming and processing agri- agribusiness in Northern Nigeria that produces um, tomato paste and other agricultural products for the domestic market. And before uh, her, in, her inroad into um, tomato Joss or fi- founding Tomato Joss. Uh, she has worked in the financial service and healthcare sectors in New York and Nigeria, respectively, where she gained uh, valuable technical skills and developed um, an interesting um, empathetic worldview, uh, building networks also that could empower her to launch at, uh, this kind of business at the base of the pyramid. She is a graduate of Brown University and uh, Harvard Business School. Welcome, Mira, to the show. Hi, Margaret. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot for 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 coming on board. I mean, there are loads of questions I would ask, like to ask you, but um, <laughs> really about how how we, how this whole thing started. But I I think that is how we should start first. Um, so um, you apparently left the U.S. in 2014 to start Tomato Joss in Nigeria. How did you spot this opportunity and, and really why did you choose Nigeria? Because uh, for me, I always tell people, even yesterday, um, we had some investor you know, uh, meeting and, and, and I, I shared with them, you know, that doing business in Nigeria is like, you know, really, um, you know, picking diamonds in the means of uh, thorns and you'd bleed. I mean, it takes a, a heart of <laughs> a very courageous person, you know, to um want to do business in Nigeria to be realistic. So why did you choose Nigeria? Um, the story of Tomato Joss, while we were founded in 2014, the story actually begins in 2008 when I first moved to Nigeria to work for a nonprofit. And at that time, I was working in finance um, outside of New York City, and I just wanted to do something that was more meaningful. I applied to this position. Uh, the organization told me, you know, is there anywhere that you wouldn't go? And I said, no, you can send me anywhere. You know, I'm so excited about this, doing this work. And they said, great, we've got a job opening in Nigeria. And I didn't really know much at all about Nigeria at that time. Um, I had read one half of A Yellow Sun. I had read some of, you know, um, Shinoa Achebe's books. But that was kind of the extent of my knowledge. And so, you know, I asked a few questions. Well, you know, is it the kind of Africa where they have, they have animals? and safaris and they said, no. <laughs> I was like, well, are there nice beaches? And they're like, mm, it's more of like creeks than beaches. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll still go. 
um, which maybe says something about my personality as much as anything else. But I, I moved to Nigeria. I'm, I'm half Indian, so I had you know been to India a number of times to visit my dad's family. And Nigeria is not that dissimilar from India in a lot of ways. And so I didn't feel, you know, while yes, it is chaotic and yes, it is, you know, different, very different from America, I didn't feel so shocked. And I was really fortunate to, I think, come into the country with a lens of what you look for is what you're going to see. If you're looking for poverty and you're looking for problems and you're looking for reasons that Nigeria is not, you know, as developed in some ways as the United States, that's what you're going to see. But if you're looking for just a new experience, looking for kindness, looking for people that are enterprising, looking for people who you know want something to do and want some, to make something meaningful in their lives, that's what you're going to see as well. And I think you know, I I just really fell in love with the the energy and the people and. Um, a friend of mine who I made early on in, in my stay in Nigeria the first time around told me that every problem you see is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I really took that to heart. So yeah, I started seeing opportunities all around. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Every problem you see is, is an opportunity uh, as opposed to, you know, packing, packing and uh, living. Uh, and, 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 you know, that's yeah. one thing I, I, I keep saying, um, for, for instance, the American Business Council has grown in terms of membership in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, we've seen we're seeing new U.S. companies coming in to do business in Nigeria. We've seen companies, U.S. companies that have stayed um, since um, even before the the inception of uh, uh, the Nigerian uh, the independence of the country. And and so you you always want to ask yourself what is it that these companies have seen and I'm I'm sure would uh, you you'd uh, give us some insights um, later and I'm happy that you're able to 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 to, to um, discover that you know there isn't a lot much difference between what you see in Nigeria maybe and and some experiences you have in India so I mean then it then tells the story that the country is not in itself some some strange weird um place where people can't you know operate but but then we'll go to you know we'll come back to the, that that conversation and then you know maybe go to other um issues um yeah and so well i'd love to call you oh go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead <laughs> well i was gonna say yeah i mean when it comes to the specifics of tomato jaws and this specific opportunity because it was one of many things i was considering i guess the initial reason that I came across the opportunity was that I was traveling a lot in northern Nigeria for work. I was doing a lot of work with primary, secondary, and tertiary health facilities in Kano and Katsina, Jigawa, and some of those areas. And I used to drive from Abuja to Kano to, um, to do that work. And there was one time in particular that I remember driving up the expressway, and I think we were branching somewhere to one of these secondary hospitals. And I looked around and the entire road was covered with tomatoes at the side of the road, lining the road. And it was just this visually stunning image. It really looked like we were driving on a red carpet almost. It was red, red, red as far as the eye can see. And I asked my driver at the time, you know, what's the meaning of this? Why is it looking like this? Why are all these tomatoes lying on the side of the road? And he told me that, you know, this is the time of year when there's an oversupply. The value of the tomatoes has crashed because they're they're overly abundant and the market can't actually take them all. So the farmers are just trying to dry them in the hopes that they can sell the sun-dried tomatoes later in the year. And that image really stuck with me, you know, that um, all these farmers couldn't find some way to sell the tomatoes that they had grown. 
And at the same time, I was immersing myself in Nigerian culture. I was learning how to cook Nigerian foods. And one of the first things I learned how to make was stew, of course, which is a very, very Nigerian dish, um, and but as well as jollof rice. Okay. <laughs> that right. No, like, so jollof rice before. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, anytime anybody has the jollof rice war, I always have to come in on Nigeria's behalf. I'm like, no, 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 I'm backing up Nigeria's rice. You know, gotta take a seat. Senegal, take a seat. <laughs> but um, but when I looked at the tomato paste, every single jar and every can that I was using, you know, that I had purchased from whatever supermarket um, was all imported. None of the tomato paste was local. And it was so shocking to me that all these tomatoes are grown in Nigeria. And yet, there is not a local brand of tomato paste. Um, and so that image and that idea stuck with me. And I had this pipe dream, oh, I'm gonna build a tomato factory in Northern Nigeria, you know, I'm just gonna do this one day. And it was like, this thing I would just tell myself when, when work got hard, but it was never something I really thought seriously about, I don't think, until um, I was in business school, still spouting this idea to people. And one of my friends said, look, you know, you have the skills now. Why don't you see if the numbers actually work? Why don't you see if this business plan that you keep talking about, you know, pie in the sky can make sense? Um, and so I spent the last semester of business school researching tomatoes, researching agriculture. I did not have a background in agriculture. I do not have a background in manufacturing. Um, but I, I learned a lot and I realized that it's a much, much more complex problem than simply, okay, there's a ton of farmers who have tomatoes and you just put up a factory and magically, you know, you're going to make the product. Um, so, so it's been a big, big learning curve as I've gotten into it. But uh, really the idea was formed just during my first time living in Nigeria. And I guess the idea was crystallized while I was at business school. Um, and then I sort of, at that point, had the confidence to jump in and, and try and do this full time. Yeah, so so um, what I hear from you, uh, I hear two things from you. I hear, um, you know, problems create opportunities. I hear, um, you know, that, you know, being able to to have um, better learnings and um, some, some kind of um, educational, um, understanding could also help drive like, you know, learnings from the business school. Um, before I, I, I move further into that question, I, I just also wanted to, to share that um, the American Business Council had um, a, had a webinar with um, the Deputy Assistant Secretary Akuna Cook on the U.S.-African relations. And one of the things that came up was um, the, or is really, um, the, the need to, to pull in a lot of uh, and uh, you know, entrepreneurs, um, SMEs from the the US into doing business in the continent, specifically in Nigeria, and and so um, are you. Um, so so then it means that for these entrepreneurs, these prerequisites are needed. You know, being able to check, you know, what are, uh, you know, the existing challenges um, that they could, you know, leverage in terms of opportunities for their business and also. Uh, they need to have some kind of a business um, understanding, maybe, you know, um, going to a business school or at least having some um, interface with a business school to make them understand um, really how the terrain is and, you know, how really to navigate the opportunities that they see from the challenges they see. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think you've raised a number of really important points. I think 
for me, the the reason that, you know, the business school sort of gave me a, a good grounding was that it helped me to figure out what is really the root cause of the problem that I'm seeing. You know, what I saw was tomatoes are all over the road, lining the road, right? There's tons and tons and tons of tomatoes. And so the immediate solution would seem to be, let's build a factory, right? And then the factory will just mop up supply. I can't tell you how many meetings I've been to and I've literally heard the words mop up supply. But what I think the the education, you know, that I had enabled me to do was to peel back the onion, right? And to get one layer deeper. And the deeper and deeper you get, you realize that the real problem is not that tomatoes are in oversupply. The real problem is that farmers are not productive when they grow tomatoes. So if you think about tomato paste, it's a global commodity. It sells at a global price. And in order for a factory to be able to produce a product, it has to be able to compete with the imported product. The farmers in Nigeria historically have been so unproductive at farming tomatoes that their, their cost of production is too high for them to be able to sell to a factory and make money. And that's the problem. You can't build a business based on an idea where your suppliers are selling at a loss. That's not a sustainable business. So what I realized was that, and this leads probably into, you know, the questions that you might have around impact is that we had to invest in our supplier base, in the smallholder farmers whom I wanted to work with and help them to become more productive so that I could then buy tomatoes from them at a price that made sense for them and that made sense for a factory. And so, you know, that that ability to sort of see, look, it's not just as simple as plugging in a factory and then mopping up supply. It's actually much, much more complex. I think that's kind of the the critical thinking that is required whenever you're looking at a problem. You need to sort of think about, okay, what am I seeing? But what is really driving what I'm seeing, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And and so you also touched on something that um, also makes sense, which is, uh, you know, sustainability. You can't run a business without sustainability. And that takes me to the issue around the creation of shared value, uh, which has become an imperative for business businesses really globally. And how have you been able to incorporate this into the business model you have? I mean, I know you just mentioned, um, you know, being able to almost like backward integrate. Maybe that's not the right word, but really looking at the um, the source to be able to, you know, glean whatever challenges they have at the source to. Uh, move into um, the next stage as opposed to, um, you know, setting up a factory. So what are the models you have around shared value? The biggest model that we have around shared value is the model that we employ with the smallholder farmers that we work with. So, you know, I'm going to use some simplified numbers and I'm not going to use too many numbers for those of you who don't like numbers, but... (laughs) (laughs) Let's say that, you know, the average farmer in Nigeria is growing tomatoes and it costs them maybe 80 naira to grow one kilogram of tomatoes, right? But as a factory, I need to be able to buy tomatoes at 40 naira per kilogram. Otherwise, I can't compete with the global markets. And so if the farmer is selling to me at 40 naira, they're making a loss. If I'm buying at 80 Naira, I'm making a loss. And so the question is, well, how do we work with the farmers to bring down their cost of production? And the key to that is to increase their yields, to make them more productive farmers. And so over the past seven years, Tomato Joss has identified 
more than 250 different behaviors that we're trying to help our farmers to change. And these behaviors have to do with everything from irrigation to Uh, land preparation, to fertilization, to the seed varieties that they're using, to best practices around weeding, you name it, and it's in there. Um, when we first tried to start working with farmers, my plan was to just implement all of the changes at once. But I'm sure you've heard of the phrase drinking out of fire hydrant. Um, it was too much change too fast, and none of the farmers could comply with what we were asking them to do. So, you know, the next year we were like, okay, let's just take the, the most important or the first like 10 behaviors that we think will like at least show the farmers that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. If you do these 10 things, your yield is going to double. Wow. Once you do those 10 things and your yield has doubled, next year we can introduce 20 more things for you, right? Yes. And then your yield will increase again, right? And so it's it's been this like multi-year journey with both our educational programs and with the farmers to sort of get them to be productive, um, to be able to produce at a, at a lower cost. <laughs> no, I, I like that. You know, um, what you have just said, it's almost like not giving a child solid food before the child, you know, gets ready for solid food, right? So you, 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 exactly. you, you give them in doses. Uh, you go, you know, step by step, looking at the priorities, and 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 once the results are seen, then people are, you know, they are able to work with you or work together to 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 get the right yield, and and that's that's really that that tells a lot. That tells a lot, um, and so, I mean, there's been all this conversation about, you know, almost like love at first sight. Nigeria found me, you know, and mm -hmm. and all. I'm certain that there yeah, are certain cult cultural shocks that you have uh, experienced uh, while you were navigating through these um, businesses. And, uh, you know, um, I always say that when um, people from outside of the continent, you know, talk about Africa, they talk about Africa as if it's one solid country. And then it's even worse when you now move into the countries and you say, oh, Nigeria, you expect that the whole of Nigeria is the same but you're talking of a country with different cultures different you know people you know within within the same country and so what are those um, you know interesting cultural shocks you'd want to share with us and yeah you, you touched on a great point with with the whole you know i mean first of all i get so angry when friends back at home ask me how is africa i'm like i don't know how africa is i know how one specific city in nigeria is you know like i don't know about the rest of the continent because i'm not there um and even within nigeria as you said there are over 230 different tribes and languages and cultures and you know i find even that you know there are huge I would say biases that the South has about the North and vice versa, right? So, you know, we're located in, in Kaduna, even though we're called Tomato Joss, it's very confusing for many people. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Organization, you know, I've, I've had to try and learn and, and think about, you know, well, okay, Hausa is the lingua franca for most of our farmers, although some of our farmers actually speak Fufulda and they don't even speak Hausa that well, right? And then most of our you know, casual laborers speak Hausa, they might understand English, but they're not that comfortable speaking English. And then you know, we have in our employment, you know, we've got people from all different tribes. We've got you know, Hausa Fulani people, we've got Bagi people, we've got Yoruba people, we've got Igbo people, we've got you know, so many different people. And, you know, it's a question of how do we even within our own organization, you know, foster strong relationships and get everybody to be on the same page about things, you know. And so we really try very hard to 
share about, you know, to encourage everybody from, you know, different parts of the country to share about where they're from and to share about, you know, what they're, what things are like where they're from. But if we zoom out a level and look at sort of differences between Nigeria more generally versus American culture, I think there's probably two things that, you know, stand out for me. One, I learned back in my early days in Nigeria, back in 2008, 2009, I used to do a lot of work with um, the federal government because I was doing HIV related work and I had to go to the Ministry of Health once a week for this meeting. And that meeting would always start at least two hours late. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, you know, at, at first I was kind of offended. And then I'm like, you know, there's like this saying is like the meeting starts when the king walks in, right? And it's like, yeah, what, who am I? You know, so I, I just started taking my laptop with me to the to the ministry, sitting in the room, sitting in the dark, there's no NEPA, they don't have a gin and just doing my work. And I'm like, that's cool. You know, when you show up, I'll be here. I'll be ready. It's a big exercise in patience. But at the same time, you know, if you can demonstrate, you know, a willingness to wait and understand um, and be understanding of so many things that come up all the time that create uncertainty in the lives of everybody that you interact with that, you know, can you have a little bit of compassion for the fact that it might not be running on German time? You know, um, that goes a long way. Um, and related to that, I think the second thing is like the whole custom of greetings, right? I'm from the East Coast in America. We are very much straight to the point. You know, there's barely any greetings. It's like, hey, did you get that report done? No, good morning. How was your night? You know. And I've become a much friendlier person after living in Nigeria. I'm like way more likely to just smile and wave at strangers. Um, and I like that about myself, to be frank. You know, I'm happy about that. I think it's a good thing. And I, and I like the fact that so much of, you know, getting things done has to do with just treating people well. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there was a, there's a lot of relationship um you know humanness actually in the in the traditional um, nigerian environment wherever you go i think i think that's one thing that cuts across um if um you 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 find people who irrespective of you know the um whatever volatility we're we're currently experiencing at, at certain places what you you find that at the end of the day what ties people is that is that you know a sense of wanting to build relationships and a lot of businesses thrive um, and have, have grown based on uh, not just um, the uh, not just about expertise but also how you're able to uh, you know the big break the barrier of 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 um, the humanness you know um, factor it's, it's 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 a very key uh, part of business which uh, part of uh, ensuring that business happens in this part of the world and I, and I thank you for um, yeah the comments you you shared about that. Well, I mean I still, I mean I'm not from from I'm still a Nigerian, but I still struggle with the issue around time. Um, and 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 I I I see a situation where some ministries are beginning to buy into this. You know, you have a ten o'clock, you go for ten. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, 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 yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that. We glean ourselves of that because you know having to wait for I two hours is a, is a bit. I think <laughs> still we still struggle with that. So 
There are some commissioners here in Kaduna State that if you don't show up on time, they won't see you. And I actually really appreciate appreciate that that mentality. You know, she's like, even my own staff, if they don't show up for a 10 o'clock meeting by 10, 10, I'm out the door. And and I think that makes sense. You know, it's harsh at first, but you get used to it. I, I came from an environment where if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. And, you know, that's how I try to live my life. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so uh, do you have other challenges you faced um, in business in Nigeria, uh, considering that you know, I mean, there are issues around policy and you know, um, foreign exchange at all. So, um, do do you have any? Can you just mention one specific challenge, if 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 any? Um, you know, I mean, business is all about challenges, but at least one specific one. Yeah, sure. There are many, many challenges, but I think, you know, the the primary challenge that I always bring up is infrastructure. You know, um, people think, okay, farming is a very rural business, it's a rural environment, but at the same time, if you look at, you know, successful farming communities across the world, they have access access to roads, they have access to power, they have access to, you know, connectivity. Um, being out, you know, only 45 minutes outside of Kaduna town, but in an area where there is no network and in an area where the roads are not great, it, it actually has a huge impact, not just on Tomato Joss, but on companies all over the country. I think the, the, the safe and efficient movement of people and goods across the country, that alone would unlock so much potential. And to me, that's like one of the key things that I'm always pushing for any time that I have the ear of anybody who I think can make a difference. Uh, yes, I mean, infrastructure is always that 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 big um, discussion, you know, in every situation. And I, well, I, I, I believe I'm very optimistic that someday we would get things right. A bit slow, but we'll probably, you know, get things right. I, I, you know, I'm looking at the time right now. I have a lot of questions to ask you. I know there are a couple of questions I will still ask you, you know, offline, send you emails because I, you, you, you stand <laughs> out as one typical, you know, um, uh, example of, of, a successful business in Nigeria, um, you know, and 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 being an entrepreneur, playing from a non-Nigerian perspective. Uh, but I'm I'm told that I'm running out of time, so I just want to really thank you, Mira, for this very enlightening discussion. I know that we have talked about, you have shared that um, the uh, cha the challenges and problems you saw created the opportunity, um, a, a sense of you know having. Um, a business sense would help you guide whatever business undertaking um, you, a, an entrepreneur who would want to do business in Nigeria may may, may require or will require. And obviously, um, there are challenges around infrastructure. Um, and, but but again, you know, you, you're 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 surviving, and uh, you know we are going to have to continue to see how private sector would. Um, have their voice into engaging government on improving infrastructure or even collaborating government to improve infrastructure and and um, and so we will be um, as part of this this whole um, moving forward of um, in supporting uh, entrepreneurs who would want to come to Nigeria to do business. Um, the American Business Council is you know looking at having an um, some MSME mixer for American entrepreneurs in and outside the country in partnership with the EDC of the um, Lagos Business School uh, in, in Nigeria. 
and, and, and the program is really geared towards encouraging the creation of more SMEs in Nigeria by American entrepreneurs and really equipping and new and existing um, entrepreneurs with the necessary tools. Like we knew you talked about, you know, having to have the right knowledge and skill set to be able to take to take uh, uh, a decision to do business. So for the success of any for the success of their business, they would require that. So the mixer would hold on the on Wednesday, first uh, December, twenty twenty one at three pm. I believe that you're going to be speaking at that event, Mira. That's right. I'll be there. I'll be so excited to see you in person again. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's great. So to register, please. Um, Anyone who would like to register, go to www.abcnig.com. And so we have come to the end of the show. And like, like I said earlier, follow the Business Exchange on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. And on social media, follow us at abcancel underscore ng on Instagram and on LinkedIn American Business Council. So see you in our next episode, same time, Tuesday, the 23rd of November. And thank you so much for listening.